Thank you for tuning in to Conroe United Pentecostal Church today. We pray that this podcast is a blessing to you. If there is ever anything we can do for you, please email admin at conroeupc.org. I will, I will reverently uh, attempt to preach tonight. I, I, I'm not foolish. I, I don't think that we'll get done. But I, I feel that we need to press forward just a little bit here. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Acts chapter 2. <clears throat> we'll begin with verse 16. <clears throat> Again tonight, I'll give honor to uh, your pastor, uh, Pastor Smith and Pastor Trent, and to their great family, uh, friends, as I said this morning, friends of ours growing up around each other. And um, you ought to thank God for a good first family. For a good pastor and wife, Amen. I, uh, I, I know, I know that it's not easy. We kind of joked about it today a little bit, you know. Growing, uh, Trent and I growing up in, in pastors' homes, and and how it's different when people come into ministry that they don't know, and so it's not always easy. But uh, this family has always handled it with class, and always been a great example. And uh, so I'm so thankful for for their friendship in our lives. Acts chapter two and verse sixteen. If you have it, say Amen. We find Peter here, he's speaking just before he preaches uh, the original plan of salvation. He's explaining what, what this outpouring of the Holy Ghost is really all about and, and where it come from. Can anybody still get excited about the Holy Ghost? Now, I, before I start reading, i got to let you know, I'm, I'm going to preach pretty straight. And I'm going to preach pretty passionately. But I'm not naive as to think that I'm just preaching to people that are sitting in the pews. I'm going to be preaching to and against some spirits and mentalities that's trying to take over the city and this region. I'm going to preach. You want to hear something really crazy? I'm going to preach to people that ain't even sitting on our pews yet. Acts chapter 2 and verse 16. But this is that. Someone said this is that. Which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams and on my servants and on my handmaidens will I pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy. Someone said prophesy. Prophesy. Notice it wasn't a preacher prophesying. It wasn't the man of God called from yonder to prophesy. He said, they are going to prophesy and I will show wonders in the heaven above and in the signs in the earth beneath. Joel chapter 2 and verse 27. If you want to turn, you can, but you don't have to. We'll look now at the original prophecy given by Joel. We'll look here at what Peter was referencing and what he was trying to say. In Joel chapter 2, he said, And you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I am the Lord your God and none else, and my people shall never be ashamed. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. And upon my servants and upon my handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. Tonight, God has sent me with a commission to preach this word. If this is that, then what is this? I really feel if we're going to end this year strong and we're going to start next year strong, then we have to get a renewed vision of what 
What is, what, what is this supposed to be? Tonight I'm going to preach, if this is that, then what is this? Lay down your Bibles, lift up your hands. Let's ask God to bless the remainder of this service one more time. Jesus, we come to you asking you, God, to speak. We come to you, God, asking you to move and do your work. God, a work that only you can do. A work, God, that only you are able to do. Oh, come on, let's, let's worship and let's clap with the same passion and fervency that we were doing with the song just a while ago. Hallelujah! Someone say hallelujah for a moment. Hallelujah! 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 You can be seated in order to get where we got to go. I've got to lay a foundation quickly and then move on. In order to get what we need out of this message, we must first recognize the fact that God had not only prepared the way to the plan of salvation by laying down his own life as Jesus, but in his infinite wisdom, Christ had prophesied of such events in the Old Testament. God gave the prophet Joel a prophecy before the message was ever preached. Fourteen books later in the book of Acts, because he is an almighty and all-knowing God, he provided the promise before there was ever a need. He provided the promise of salvation before there was ever a thing called the Holy Ghost. He provided the hope of his spirit before he was ever crucified and gave up the ghost. He provided the way out before there was ever a snare or a struggle to be trapped in for eternity. Just as he had provided a ram in the bush for Abraham and Isaac, he had come to earth to Joseph and Mary and had provided himself as a living sacrifice for the sins of humanity. By doing this, God attempted to give a glimpse of hope to a group of people that had found themselves in hard times and sinful ways. The book of Acts was not only God providing a plan of salvation for those that were lost, but he was allowing his disciples to see the promises and prophecies they had heard about years in past come to fruition. You see, they had been faithful in obeying what Jesus had ordered them to do. Jesus had instructed his disciples to go to Jerusalem and gather there and wait for the power that would come to them. Jesus told them, go and wait until you be endued with power from on high. They waited there, but he had not, they, he had not fallen upon them. Jesus knew when it was all said and done, his spirit would fall on humanity for the very first time and it would change their lives. They had been given the promise of power and anointing, but they were not yet positioned to obtain the power just yet. Hear me tonight. They had been given the prophecy of great revival and power and anointing, but they had not yet been positioned to obtain the prophecy. They didn't know exactly what it was they were supposed to be doing as they 
they waited. They had not been told what this experience would feel like. They were simply doing as they were instructed. They were being good saints, if you please. He had given them a promise, and this promise required that they position themselves to obtain it. I feel to stop here tonight for just a moment and tell Conroe UPC that there will be times that promises are given to you and you're just going to have to wait on God to bring it to happen in your world. There will be prophecies that have been and will be given over your congregation and you're just going to have to stand and wait on God to do the work. Things that you may not be able to see and things that may not be real comfortable. I want to encourage you tonight and tell you just keep waiting on the promise. The promise, I come tonight to tell this church, the promise has not only been given already, but the promise is on its way. I know you don't know what it's going to feel like, and I know you don't know exactly what to expect, but I've been sent tonight to tell this church the promise is on its way. So the disciples and the others find themselves in a room in Jerusalem. And while gathered there, the Bible says in Acts chapter 2 that they were all together. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one place and in one accord. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared on them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance and the ability. Now finally the gathering of people would experience the promise of the Holy Ghost falling on humanity for the very first time. I cannot help but to wonder what must have been going through the minds of these individuals as they stood in that room and all of a sudden they heard the wind begin to blow in a room that wasn't supposed to have wind. Oh, what must have been racing through their minds uh, as they felt the fire of God sit down on them uh, like they had never felt before. Uh, what must have been their thoughts uh, as they began to speak in another language uh, and they began to look at their friends uh, and they didn't understand what they were saying. Uh, no doubt when they could talk normal again, uh, they must have looked at one another and said, I don't know what all this is, uh, but this feels really good. The only time they had ever felt anything remotely like this was when they were in the presence of Jesus Christ. Sure, they had been excited before. Sure, they had felt goosebumps before. As they listened to the teaching, they felt the conviction of his words. As they watched the miracles performed, they felt joy in his actions. As they seen the demon possessed delivered, they felt confidence in his abilities. As they ate of the loaves and the fish, they felt the fulfillment of his provision. As the boat rested on calm waters, they felt peace in his protection. No doubt they had felt his power at work around them before. But now, 
because of this experience. For the very first time, the power of God would not be felt around them. But because of this experience, they would feel the power of God at work within them. Oh, you ain't hearing me tonight. Notice the progression from verse 6 to verse 16. Verse 6 says, Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded. In other words, when people throughout town began to hear about what was going on down there at that church, they got real curious about what was going on, and they wanted to know about this. Verse 12 says, And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth Anybody ever been a first-time visitor at a Pentecostal church? And one of them old, them old prayer warriors let out one of them hoops. Wow! And somebody else across the auditorium started. See, that's what's wrong, Brother Trent, is we don't have near as many shout-downs like we used to. Used to, it wasn't church unless you were sweated through and bobby pins were everywhere. And you had felt conviction and happy and joy and peace all in the same five minutes. It wasn't church unless God had moved beyond our ordinary expectation. Ah. See, here's the problem. The chief problem with the modern Pentecostal church is complacency and comfort. I got news for you. I'm not trying to be ugly, but I got news for you. If a visitor can come to our church and they don't leave saying, what was that I felt? Then we're not having church the right way. If they're not walking out the doors asking questions about what's that Holy Ghost? Why are they dancing? Why are they speaking in tongues? Then we ain't having church the right way. But by this point, by verse 12, the city's curiosity had gotten the better of them and they wanted to know about this. Much like Conroe, their curiosity, this community's curiosity has started beginning to peak and begin to look toward this church. And there are people that are coming and finding you in the stores and your coworkers that you ain't even talked to about church. Are, they're going to start coming to you and saying, hey, what about that church you go to? And what about all this Holy Ghost stuff? There's something different about you. The city's curiosity had gotten the better of them and they wanted to know about this. That's why Peter would go on and preach the original plan of salvation in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 when he would tell us to repent of our sins and be baptized in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Peter gave these instructions to the people that wanted to know about this. But verse 16 says, but this is first time we've heard about that but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel they may not have known exactly what it is they were expecting and they may not have known exactly what it is that they were waiting on and they may not have known exactly what to do to prepare themselves for the great outpouring of the Holy Ghost but make no mistake about it it wasn't the first time that this outpouring was ever spoken of this was not the first time that God's spirit leaving heaven and coming to earth had ever been spoken of Peter was trying to tell the disciples and the multitude of people that had gathered on 
this glorious day to understand that this was no new idea. While they had heard about this experience, they must also understand that what had just happened was more than just a momentary touch. It was more than a one-night stand where you come in and you feel a little tingle and you leave out the same way. He was trying to get them to see that what they were experiencing was the beginning of this apostolic church. Peter was telling those people this experience is the prophecy that brings salvation. This power is the power of the Holy Ghost. He was trying to get these people to understand that this is that. What they were feeling, that's the power of God within them. What they were seeing was the hope of a new future. This is the church. What we must understand is what they were feeling on the day of Pentecost was more than just an old promise or an old prophecy. But they had just felt was more than the fulfillment of God's promises but they were experiencing in a supernatural way what Joel had prophesied about in a physical way hang on to me for a moment the prophet Joel was given this prophecy in the midst of a crisis a devastating locust plague had attacked Israel and left virtually no vine and no grain the plague was no accident it was sent from God and Joel recognizes it as the judgment of God and on the people who had left his ways so in an attempt to get the attention of God's people and the attention of Israel God sends a plague into the land chapter 2 and verse 13 records Joel's admonishment and the word to the people of God and rend your heart and not your garments. Uh, Joel told the people he said I want you to rend your heart Uh, you see in that day it was customary uh, when you were in pain and agony and sorrow that you would rip your garments uh, so everybody could see how sorry you were and how down and out you were but Joel said I don't want to know if you can look right Uh, I want to know can you be right Hear me for a moment. What he was trying to say is, I don't care if you can look the part. I don't care if you can sing the part. I don't care if you can talk the part. I want to know, can there still be a heart connection to the heart of God? I don't care if you can talk just right, if you can speak just But is there a heart connection where God can change his people? Hear me tonight. I don't care what it looks like on the outside. God wants a heart connection. It doesn't it matter if you look right can he still touch your heart I don't care if everything else is perfect in your world but if God can't touch your heart nothing else really matters the prophet Joe called the judgment of God in the locust plague he called it the day of the Lord but now he sees another day coming it'll be signaled in the sky and signs on earth for all to see and the whole earth will be summoned for judgment in the rapture but Joel was sure to clarify that before this cataclysmic judgment happens God promises that a great outpouring of his spirit will happen on earth Uh, that's why he said in Joel chapter 2 and verse 28 uh, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh uh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your old men shall dream dreams uh, and your young men shall see visions Uh, Joel was telling the people God is upset with you Israel Uh, your carnality has struck the 
anger of God. The fact that you've allowed yourself to remove yourself so far from the heart of God and so far from what you're supposed to be. He was letting them know God is upset with you. That you've allowed yourself to drift so far away. And you've kindled the anger and the judgment of God. Joel told Israel, because of where we have gone as a people, God is going to send a plague into our land. But the plague is not meant to destroy us. The plague was meant to push Israel back toward the heart of God. And so just as Joel speaks of how that God will pour out his mercy on Israel and the people that their hearts would be turned toward God, he begins to speak of a day when God would pour out his spirit upon all manner of men. Joel begins to prophesy that there would be a day and in that day there would be an anointing that would fall. What he was telling them is there would be people that would go and find forgiveness for their sins regardless of how deep or how dark their sin may be. There would be forgiveness and mercy. Joel speaks of a place that God would save those that didn't deserve saving. He would turn the lives of those around that didn't deserve it. Hey Israel, there's going to come a day when God is going to pour out his spirit and those that had thought they had gone too far would feel the love of God. Those that had not been perfect would find the perfection of his spirit. Joel begins to prophesy that one day there's going to be a place. One day there's going to be a people. One day there's going to be an opportunity. One day there's going to be a church and in that church God would turn worlds around. It was prophesied that new life would start at the church. Worlds would be turned around at the church. Mercy could be found at the church. Grace and salvation could be found in the church. If this experience that Peter had in the book of Acts is in fact that which Joel prophesied of, if the church today is supposed to be the church that began with Peter's original message of salvation, if the word of God makes no mistakes, and I, I, I doubt that it does, if the word of God makes no mistake, and this is that, my question for this congregation tonight is what is this? If this, Pastor Trina, is supposed to be the apostolic church that was started on the day of Pentecost, coming at you trying to hurt you hear me for a moment I'm trying to get you to realize and think about where we are I don't know anything about this church and I don't know anything about the individuals but I can tell you this much God's wanting you to take account of where you are and what you've been through in the last year and the last two years and he's wanting you to take a good account of where you want to go in 2020 and he's wanting to ask this church this question if this is the church that I called you to be then what have we made this church Is this church still what the prophet said we were supposed to be? 
Do we still line up with what the prophecy says we're supposed to be? I've come tonight with the unction of the Holy Ghost to remind some precious children of God. I wish to speak to the spirit of this community and to the spirit that would try to distract and dissuade those that come to this church. And I've come tonight to tell you and tell those people and tell those backsliders and tell souls that haven't even sat on our pews yet. They're looking for a place of healing and restoration. I wish to speak to the heart of this church and I want to tell you what we're supposed to be in case there are any that have forgotten what the church is supposed to be. Let me tell you what this is in case there's someone that can hear the sound of my words somewhere in the spirit world. Let me tell you about a church. This church is still a place where the lost can be found. This church is still concerned with the lost souls of our city. This church is still a place where the presence of God can be felt regardless of the sin in your world. This church is still a place where deliverance can be found. This church is still a place for lost and hurting people to find restoration. I want to remind the spirit of compromise the spirit of complacency we are apostolic in beliefs and in our lifestyle I just felt something rise up within the heart of this church. We will, we will still believe that you, more, maybe you must be born again of the water and the spirit in order to make it to heaven. We still believe that you must receive the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. We still believe that you must be baptized in the only saving name of Jesus. Believing that there is no other name uh, under heaven uh, whereby uh, we must be saved. Let me remind some elders encourage some elders and remind some others that we still believe that we must live a holy and separated life from the world we are in this world but we are not of the world I wish to speak to the heart of this church and tell you there should be something within us that refuses sister Smith to settle for less than what God has promised us Lift your hands right now. Come on, lift your hands. God wants to speak. Come on, I feel the... I feel the attack of the adversary but he's not still in this service he's not going to steal the move that God's already been preparing in this congregation tonight we will refuse to settle for less than what God has promised our churches I wish to sound you can get with me or you can it matters not to me I wish to sound the trumpet of attack against the spirit of complacency and mediocrity that says we're okay with what we are and we 
We are not okay. We want more. We're not content. We want more. Let me preach to the spirit of some that have walked away and talked about this church. Some that have walked away and talked about the leadership. We are not content with what we have, but we will never settle until we get what God has promised us. We still, hear me, we still desire more souls uh, to be saved uh, than Conroe has ever seen. Uh, We still believe uh, that the greatest ministers uh, and ministries uh, that this church has ever seen uh, are in the days ahead uh, and not behind us. Uh, We are not content uh, with our beautiful building, uh, our great music, uh, and want nothing more. uh, But we uh, want uh, revival. Uh, We want... What a harvest! It's like I can feel, Trent. It's like I can feel the hunger of this church, the spirit of this church. It's like you're trying to push and break beyond the crusty, dry, hardened soil. The things that have been covering us up, the things that have buried us beneath problems and issues, beneath issues and struggles and frustrations. It's like I can see the heart of this church trying to tear back the barrier. You're hungry for more, and I've just come to tell you don't settle don't quit don't stop keep pushing keep growing keep thriving There may be others that are content. There may be others, Pastor Smith, that say we've reached the pinnacle. We've reached all we're ever going to be, but I'm preaching to the heart of this church, and I'm preaching for the heart of the leadership, and I'm telling you we are nowhere near the end. I don't. I said it a hundred times. I don't know anything about this church, but we are far from done. This church is far from over. We're not packing up. We're not done. We're not shutting the doors. You let them leave, and God will replace them threefold. You let them talk about the church and God will build us up just like Pharaoh afflicted the people of Israel. The more he afflicted them, the more they prospered. The more he done to them, the more they grew. I've got news for you. On hell's best day, he can't stop the church. On his best day, he can't stop revival. You can call it craziness or you can call it prophecy. It matters not to me, but I believe the best is yet to come for Conroe UPC. There's more to this church than what you've ever been. It's not because Pastor Trent's a better pastor than Pastor Smith. It has nothing to do with that because I'm smart enough to know uh, he has the vision uh, and he has the heart. Raise your hands right now and begin to pray. Come on, I want to be sensitive.
I got news for you. Pastor Trent has the same heartbeat and the same vision and the same burden as Pastor Smith. So for some of you that would like to say, I can't wait for the younger one to take over so he'll let down on this or he'll let go of that or so we can start doing that, you might as well pack your bags and get ready for a long haul because he ain't going nowhere. We're not compromising the message. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. We're not compromising the message. We're not letting go of what we are. This is our apostolic identity and we refuse to let it go. I've taken a step further and I would tell you, you might want to shut your mouth when you're talking about your pastor because God's only going to take so much and he's going to stand up and he will make an example. You want to know those that are blessed? The ones that buy into the vision of the church. The ones that prosper are the ones that buy in to the vision of the pastor and say, Pastor, if that's what you want to do, we're behind you. If that's where you say go, let me pack my bags. I'm on my way. I want to tell this city, oh, Jesus, the spirit of complacency and the spirit that says if we're ever going to have revival we got to compromise if we're ever going to see the harvest we got to let go and we got to let down I've come to tell this city and the spirit of this age and the spirit of this region that not only are we not letting go but we're going to have greater revival because you keep afflicting us because you keep trying to steal it I don't know who it is it may be an individual or it may just be a spirit but the ones that keep trying to hinder revival you might as well just go on or buckle up because we're going to leave you behind because the church is going to grow. You can't hold us back forever. You can't keep holding us back. The prophecy and the plan for the church doesn't stop at the newness of life. Hear me right now. The prophet Joel and Peter said, there's going to be a great outpouring of his spirit. But then they went on to speak of the things that would begin to happen. And they said there's going to be dreams. And there's going to be visions. And there's going to be words of prophecy. And there's going to be things that begin to happen. And there's going to be an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. When God makes himself known to his people. And when God begins to be able to move in Conroe UPC. And God begins to move in this church. And he begins to position us for greatness. It will be made known in one of three ways. There will be dreams. There will be visions and there will be prophecies. We begin to sing tonight. We begin to sing tonight miracles and wonders, signs and all these things, heaven on earth and something's moving. You know the only thing that stands between this church and seeing visible miracles in every service is our ability to believe it can still happen. I got to hurry. But the thing that stands in our way, the thing that stands between our generation and seeing the old time revival and seeing the dead raised up on our pews and seeing miracles and demon possessed delivered and seeing all these things happen. You want to know the only thing that stands? We believe God can do it, but we are second guessing and we are asking, does it still happen in the modern church? I want to tell this church, financial blessings can happen today just like they did 20 years ago. The dead can still be raised and tumors can still 
The reason we don't see it like we used to is we've lost our ability to believe it can still happen. Elder, there are things that you've seen that my generation wants to see, and I'm just crazy, and I'm just bold enough to say I still believe it can happen in this generation, in this church. God said, I'm going to do a work. I'm trying to stop. I'm trying to stop. I'm trying to preach short, Brother Sram. Brother, Brother Pastor Smith, I'm trying to preach short. But God said, I'm going to do a great work in my church. And it's going to be seen in visions. It's going to be seen in words of prophecy. And it's going to be seen in dreams. Each of these things look to the future of what is to come. None of these things ever hold us in the past. God never intended for our churches to be stuck in yesterday. He never intended for our churches to be stuck in the present. But God planned and he ordained the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And he ordained the outpouring of the end time revival to be on those people that are looking toward the future. You can't have a dream about tomorrow and be stuck in yesterday. You can't have a vision of what is to come and be complacent with where you are you can, you can but it's pointless to speak prophetic words if you're okay with what you are and what you have hear me tonight the last thing that the prophet Joel said in his prophecy was and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth the presence of signs and wonders was and is only predicated by dreams, visions and prophetic words We should never be content with what we have. We should never be happy with what we are. But we are apostolic. And if this church is ever going to be the church that God wants us to be, if we as the apostolic church of this generation are going to ever go forward, we're going to have to continually strive for more. Hear me now. I want to tell this church this. If you're ever going to finish this year strong and you're going to do what God has for this church to do, you got to quit looking at yesterday. You got to quit worrying about 2016 or 2017 or 2008. You got to quit worrying about June of 2019 and you got to start focusing in on where am I right now and where are we going? I want to tell this church. Jesus help me right now I want to tell this church 2020 can be the best year that you've ever seen you just got to get your vision back you want to know why some of you you want to know why some of you are stuck and you're dry and you're brittle because you haven't allowed the spirit of God to begin to pour anointing on your life anymore you've become dry because you lost your vision oh sure you're still in church but where'd your vision go where'd your vision go of what you could do and what you could be if this church is ever going to go I'm trying to hurry, I promise. But if this church is ever going to go where God has for you to go, it's going to be because some of you get your vision back and you get tired of saying, well, it was good a few years ago. It was good enough last year. And I'll just muddle through and I'll make it through. The youth group did okay last year and we'll make it. No, no, no. If this church is going to grow, it's going to be because we get leaders in our departments that stand up and say, I'm tired of living in yesterday. I'm tired of being okay 
okay with yesterday and last year, but I want more. I'm not content with mediocre revival. I'm not content with mediocre moves. If I got to get out of my pew to make room for a visitor, that's what I'm going to do. I want so many people in my services. It makes me uncomfortable. Gone should be the days that we allow those that are worshiping to feel awkward. But this church, this church needs to be so on fire for God that the ones that are sitting and doing nothing are the ones saying, my God, I got to get with the program or they're going to leave me behind. I got to get a hold of this or they're going to make me look foolish. It needs to be the ones that ain't doing nothing. It needs to be the ones that are content just going through the motions that say, I don't feel right here anymore. And you either get on the bandwagon or you just feel comfortable doing whatever you're doing because the rest of us are going to have revival. The rest... It's time for shout downs in Conroe. It's time for the gifts of the Spirit to flow in Conroe. It's time to see angels in our midst. We got to start believing in each other again. We got to start believing in each other. I got to be able to look at you and not having any idea who you are. I got to be able to look at you and say, I know nothing about your past, but I see a a pure passion inside of you and a heart that wants to be used of God. So I'm just going to let you know I'm going to bind with you and I'm going to pray with you. And all the things that you thought you would never be able to do because of yesterday and all the things you thought would never happen because you're not used to all this and you don't have the right pedigree and you're not used to being around all this. All those things God's going to take care of that. Uh, we got to start being able to look at somebody uh, and say God's hand of anointing is as strong on them uh, as it is those that were born into the church. Uh, you hear me right now? Uh, God's getting ready to call some people. Uh, there are some prodigals uh, that are coming home. Uh, there's some pro- Lift your hands up right now uh, and begin to pray all across the I've got a vision of souls. I've got a vision of prodigals. I've got a vision. Come on, hey, I'm done preaching. It's over. These altars are open. There are some of you that are saying, I'm tired of going through the motions. I'm tired of being complacent. I'm tired of feeling what I've always felt. I'm ready to live again. I've been going through the motions, and I've been breathing, but I ain't been alive. I'm tired of doing it this way. I'm ready for revival. Come on, we don't have to have music. The prayers of our voice, uh, those prayers and the cries from our spirit uh, should be the only thing we hear right now. Uh, If you want to have revival uh, in 2020, uh, you're going to have to get passionate about it. Uh, When's the last time you talked about a building program? Uh, When's the last time uh, you envisioned where God was going to take you? Uh, When's the last time uh, you dreamed about your family coming back to church? Uh, When's the last time uh, you spoke the word? of faith over your family.
come on. Those of you that really want it, you ought to be so loud. The person beside you can't hear themselves pray. You ought to be praying with such passion right now. God's getting ready. I'm telling you, I can see it. I can envision it. It's like the heart of this church. It's pumping slow and it's heavy because of all the junk we've been buried underneath. But it's about to open up. God's about to pour oil across the top of this church. Anointing is going to flow again. Come on, lift up your voice.